Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa, and we're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, book by book. And here we've done it. We have gone through a huge swath of Scripture here uh, from so many books in the Old Testament, back in Genesis and Job. Uh, we wound up in at the end of the Old Testament looking at stuff like Nehemiah and Esther, and now here we are looking at the New Testament these last couple of days, Matthew and Luke, and now Acts. And yeah, this is a great opportunity then for your questions. There's no guest. It's just me and your questions today. So if you've got any and you're listening live, here's your chance, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. I feel like I just repeated myself. Hang on a second. 1-800-730-2727-314-821-0850. Okay. I don't know if I had a dyslexic moment there. I may have. Uh, but fortunately, even dyslexia can't stop the email address, kfuo at kfuo.org. It's right, even if you get it backwards. That's good stuff there. Had some questions come in via email early today. So uh, we'll be taking a look at some of those. I'll make sure I get those pulled up. Also, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. There's the live stream there. Um, sometimes I, I ramble on afterwards with uh, even additional time for questions, uh, if you have them <laughs> on that, for better or for worse. Um, it's also possible for me to do uh, object lessons that way uh but yeah got some got some questions on on there as well so good stuff uh but before we dive into the questions and we dive into today's text in acts let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen heavenly father we thank you for your goodness uh, the goodness that that you have shown uh, every day for, for so many days uh, for everyone at, at KFUO, for everyone who works in the Office of National Mission, for uh, the people at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, all the people who have made this possible uh, for, Pastor, for Pastor Whedon, um, before me, uh, for all our guests that we have on. Uh, thank you so much. You've, you've been so generous with us. Uh, bless the, the ministries that we continue to serve in, um, in our different capacities. Bless all the listeners, especially in this time as we prepare uh, for the celebration of the Nativity, that, that as we look to the manger, as we listen to the Song of the Angels, that we would see that our Lord Jesus Christ is, is not one who was born long ago for something else, but is here now with us. Emmanuel, and that we would live that way every day, empowered by the Spirit who speaks to us today through your scriptures. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so um, let's see, like I said, I'm going to make sure I pull up those questions that we got, if I can find them somewhere. <laughs> um, let me see here. Uh, but we're just going to go ahead and read through the text first, like we do. Um, so this is Acts chapter 3 here. We're giving it a little bit of context, looking at uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 47. And, and so last time we looked at the resurrection, right? Um, and it was the resurrection account in Matthew, so Matthew 28. 
so then today, basically what we what we kind of virtually skipped over, uh, just kind of doing fast forward a little bit, was looking at Acts chapter one. You know, so you're looking at the the ascension. I, I guess in some ways we didn't talk about that, but Matthew twenty eight kind of already depicts the ascension in some respects, right? Like he's standing there saying, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, right? So that that is kind of virtually the ascension. So uh, Matthew is kind of doing his own thing, kind of a little bit artistically there, I think. Uh, but then here, uh, you, you've got an act, you've got Pentecost, you've got, you know, the, the disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter gives this big sermon. A ton of people are baptized all in a single day. Um, and, and now we're getting uh, this this bit here, and this is just this is a really this is a really cool text because this is this is what the early church looks like. This is what you know Christianity is pretty much uh, from from ground zero here. So it's just really neat to look at this and think about I don't know how how may, maybe there are some differences that we're like hey maybe maybe we should do that again. Uh, but I think overall I think we we see a lot of how it's the same in that. You know, it's an encouragement, I think, uh, to us that we're not we're not doing some like crazy different thing, but it's the the same thing all along, the same Jesus. All right, so let's go ahead then and start reading here. This is Acts chapter two, beginning in verse thirty six. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this word, his word, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at that hour, at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that's called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. 
and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins might be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel, those who came after him, also proclaimed these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. It's a, it's a great chapter. Um, and, and I think there's like a lot of things that are fascinating about this. One, like this is the, uh, the sermon, this like kind of second follow-up sermon from Peter that I, I feel like we, we never really uh, hear, or at least not nearly as often as the one in Acts chapter 2. Um, I'm like, now I'm wondering like if that's probably a lectionary difference. I'm imagining it is that if we were to compare the, uh, the lectionary here, let me see if I can pull it up quickly here. Um, but the, uh, the, the lectionary, um, uh, has of course the reading from Acts two for, uh, Pentecost, right? Here we go. Um, but this one here in Acts three uh, beginning at verse 11. I mean, it, it's a, uh, there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of neat things about it. Let me just pull this up and see this. So you got Acts chapter three and if you, uh, let's see here. I wonder where this occurs in the lectionary. I can also see too, like if it maybe used to occur more. So yeah, so Acts, okay. Yeah. So here it is. Um, the Acts two stuff that occurs uh, obviously on Pentecost, on Trinity Sunday, on the third Sunday of Easter in year A, um, 
it's let me see here it's uh also one of those um that you get just kind of like later on in the year in uh b and c it, yeah it, it happens all the time <laughs> uh, but yeah the, the the sermon here in acts chapter three it basically it's uh well see this kind of explains it it's easter wednesday and I can't remember the last time I ever went to an Easter Wednesday service, so that's that's probably one of the reasons why it's less familiar. Um, also, it's uh, Easter 3B, so, I mean, yeah, every three years you do hear it, um, you know, a couple Sundays after Easter Day. But, oh, oh, hey, good, those questions came in via email. Thanks, James. Yeah, we'll take we'll take a, a look at those in just a second here. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a lot less familiar to us. Uh, but you, you've got just like a lot of uh, really choice quotes here. Um, uh, interesting the way that uh, Peter refers to Jesus, right? The holy and righteous one. Um, he explicitly makes the comparison of them asking for uh, Barabbas, right? You asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life. Um, really fascinating to be calling him the author of life. Um, we might take a look at what that might mean. Um, yeah. So, and then, and then all the stuff about the fulfillment of the prophet, uh, like Moses, right? So you get stuff that, that that's not there, um, in, in Acts chapter two. So you don't want to just like leave this out. Uh, but of course the actual, the, the story though is just cool. Um, the lame beggar being healed. I don't know. I have so many times thought this to myself, like <laughs> someone's like asking for money and I'm just like. I don't have anything on me. I wish I could give you something, though. Um, I've never been as bold to just try that, though. Uh, just grab his arm and say, you know, like, here we, here we go. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't recommend uh, going for that either, but, I mean, it could happen. Um, and then in Chapter 2, though, that I think the thing that, that I'm struck by is the reaction that everybody has. Because uh, how, how are people reacting to all of this? And one of the things that that's pretty fascinating is that everyone's reacting to all these things happening with fear. Um, so there's, it's like a wave of fear is going out. Um, and we're going to, and of course, uh, if, if you were to go on to Acts chapter four, um, you know, when, when the apostles get uh, punished, right. And there's the, the quote, you know, why, why are the Gentiles like plotting in vain? Um, and then in chapter five, um, Ananias and Sapphira, right? And that just sends fear through the whole Christian community. Um, wow, yeah, that that's there's some fear right there, right? And Peter just talks to the guy and says, um, you know, basically you're you're guilty of uh, lying to the Holy Spirit, and the guy just drops dead at Peter's word. So that's one way to uh, command authority, <laughs> uh, you know. So everyone everyone's walking around like you know. Uh, a little bit scared of Peter after that. Uh, wow. Okay, he can kill at a word here. Uh, so yeah. So there, there is uh, th this this fear which gets translated different ways. So those are some other things to be looking at um, as well. But uh, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and just go back to to the beginning. Uh, so this is Acts chapter two here, looking at the verses that we read. Um, let me just take a look at some of these email questions. So was it serendipitous or divine providence that Peter, John, or any believer ever comes across the underserved men begging for money and food? Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, kind of asking about... Yeah, yeah, that, that, okay, that, that's good. We'll have to look at some of the details of the narrative, I think. Um, let's see here. 
as special ambassadors of the way, is it the proper passive or active voice of Peter, John, and all the commissioned believers to just deliver the word of faith to the needy seeker instead of an active emphasis on Christ, Christ's divine phenomenon and the miraculous the miraculous, the miraculous, oh, okay, like, really, miraculous, like, phenomena, right, to win souls in the public square. Okay, okay, so, yeah, no, you say active or passive voice, and, of course, I get thinking about uh, linguistics, but I, I think you're you're trying to say, like, you know, is it, yeah, yeah, what, what if, like, I guess the difference between, you know, performing, you know, miracles and signs and wonders, right, uh, versus just, you know, like you were saying, uh, just deliver the word, just speak the word, right? Okay, yeah, that's good too. Um, well, we'll just we'll look at well. You've got two more there, but we can uh, we can look at those in in a minute. Um, okay, yeah, th th those are I think both questions that we, we can take a look at um, when we get to chapter three. But I, I don't want to skip over the part in chapter two though. Um, I think I think this part's cool. Um, all right. So you have, uh, I think, one of the things that's most fascinating about chapter 36, verse 36 of chapter 2, is the phrase, God has made him both Lord and Christ. I, I feel like this is language that makes Christians today squeamish, right? But he does say it. <laughs> uh, you know, like, God made Jesus Lord. God made Jesus Christ, right? Um, we, we get squeamish, right? Because, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really sound, I guess, like the Nicene Creed, um, you know, because like when we're, when we're saying the Nicene Creed, we, we can't emphasize, you know, you know, uh, you know, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. Um, and, and we just, there's this emphasis, right, on, on the pre-incarnate Christ that, well, he was Christ before he was born as Jesus, right? Um, you know, and so that's that's an interesting uh, then juxtaposition when you when you have this, and Peter's like saying, "Well, he's made him both Lord and Christ." And so, anyway, yeah, it, it is something that um, in the early church it needed to end up getting sorted out. There was a there were there were different interpretations of this, uh, but I, I think the thing that you can you can safely say here is that uh, well, so so what is this even referring to? Let's start there. So I think it's referring to the resurrection and the ascension, right? Um, the, I think there's a, there's a pretty clear thread in Luke and Acts that, well, even in John, right, that Jesus is saying he's going to go away. This is, this is I'm borrowing from John now, that he's going to go away, uh, go on ahead of them. And when he does that, it's like he's going to be able to do more things, right? Like he is limited right now. But when he's seated on high at the right hand of God, well, then he's going to be able to do all of these things, right? And, and I think that's, uh, that's one of the interesting things, too, about the, the name Acts, right? I don't know if you've ever thought that that was like a strange name for the book. But it is just kind of called Acts, and sometimes it's called Acts of the Apostles, but some manuscripts just don't, they don't have that. Um, and, and it's kind of, there's an interesting little ambiguity there that people have talked about, because in some ways you look at it as like Acts not of the apostles even, but of the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, right? That this is what he was talking about, that when he seated it with, with power and authority, right? All authority in heaven and on earth. Well, this is the stuff he does. He pours out the Spirit. Like, he has the authority to do that. He has the authority to pour out the Spirit on people from 
every tribe and nation, right? Which is exactly what Matthew was getting at at the end of his gospel. So, I mean, so I think what, what it does when you kind of appreciate the ascension more fully as this is the moment where Jesus is made Christ, you kind of see how actually all the gospels are very much in agreement with, uh, with, with each other regarding the resurrection and the ascension. Now, of course, that doesn't mean, right, that, you know, he's not, you know, uh, the uh, the word of God who is made incarnate. Of, of course he is. Uh, but but there is a there is a sense in which um, e- even though he always I guess had the right to be called Christ right um, I mean think think put it this way okay this is kind of maybe a little bit of an analogy almost but what's Christ literally mean it means anointed one right well are you the anointed one if you haven't been anointed and can you be anointed if you don't have a body right. So, I mean, in a way, right, like, well, you know, the word of God is, of course, Lord, even from, you know, before the incarnation. But there's a sense in which he's not made Christ, really, um, in a kind of a literal sense, until his ascension, right? Uh, There he has a body. There he can ascend. He can be lifted up, and God can pour oil on him, right? So... There, I, mean, I don't know if that, if that helps or not, but so yeah, so it's like on one sense he always had the right uh, to be Lord in Christ, and in a sense he was, but he kind of like wasn't literally made that in kind of the kind of physical, visible, visible, tangible way until the resurrection and the ascension, when he was uh, no longer just a, a mere mortal man, but an immortal one. Yeah, so he was made both Lord and Christ, says Peter. Um, so, so then you, you have a repent and be baptized. Every one of you, you get into some stuff about Holy Spirit baptism versus water baptism and, you know, all the things that uh, we're liable just to like to get into debates about. Um, I, I think though, that when, when you look at this, um, one, one of the things I think that's helpful is to kind of like step back and ask, well, what, hang on, what's the gift of the Holy Spirit even mean here? Right, um, and, and what is Peter getting at? Because one of the things again that, that I, I've mentioned this before, uh, we kind of get wrong all the time when we're looking at this in English, is we just see the word "you," and because we're 21st century Americans, we're just like you know, boom, you know, AJ, boom, Bob. We, we just go right to like second person singular, and so we think to ourselves, oh, well, see, it's for every single person. And, you know, every single person, you know, when, when you receive the Holy Spirit or when, or when you see baptism, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? Well, th- there's, of course, some truth to that, but that isn't what Peter is getting at. He is in the Greek there. Um, he's using the second person plural, imis uh, or imin. Uh, so, so he is really just talking about what they've already seen, right? If you go back earlier uh, in chapter, where was it? If you look back earlier at the top of chapter two, there where they're marveling at what's going on, right? The the flames of uh, t- the the tongues of flame on Pentecost. It says there um, in verse seven, "Are not all these speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians." 
you know, it's so long. I, I wonder sometimes if that's actually meant to be like a, or like a parent, parenthetical uh, insertion or comment from Luke rather than what the people were like supposed to be saying. But, but that, that's the point here. It's like every group of people, it's time for our break. But when we get back, we'll uh, get back more into this with some of your questions. Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 on Thy Strong Word. Be right back. This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Are you an investor looking to support the bold and loving work of LCMS churches? Is your church or organization ready to do bold and loving work? This year, we have a ripe opportunity to bring Christ to a hurting world. Discover the role you can play in this great work. Call 800-843-5233 or visit lcef.org. That's 800-843-5233, lcef.org. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. Yeah, I think your programming is just wonderful. I love the emphasis on the traditional tunes rather than the modern music. Keep up the good work. Thank you. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. That's 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Trinity Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Village Lutheran Church at 1040, as well as Bible studies from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Acts chapters 2 and 3, uh, taking a look here at this, uh, the, well, the, the command to be baptized, right? And, and what does that mean? And the reception of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, things that, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, I guess, a lot of evangelical groups that, that really, really emphasize this stuff. Uh, maybe there's a lot of other groups that, seem like they're kind of uh, scared to talk about it, right? So, you know, I don't want to fall into either uh, either side of that. Uh, we are looking at this here, which is an ample opportunity for questions and comments. We're going to be getting into some of those questions that were just sent in over email. Uh, got a couple of questions sent in over Facebook. Again, facebook.com slash Espinosa, kfuo at kfuo.org, or 1-800-730-2727. 3148210850. All right. So, not to like just totally lose my train of thought though. Uh so, we were looking here at the end of chapter 2. And and so the the point there we were looking at is that when he says there it is. That the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, right? This is that you plural. And so uh, the point is, right, and you, and you see this in Acts, like um, that 
that you get the the Samaritans, right, kind of seem to have their own, like, Pentecost. Uh, the Holy Spirit gets poured out with this um, amazing gift. Um, and also, it's, it's maybe worth looking actually at the third uh, gift right there. Um, yeah, yeah, Thane Dorian. And, and, and you look at the, like, these, uh, these gifts, um, sometimes you get the word that's kind of related to the word for grace. And so there are these kind of like special like gifts or blessings or it's a uh, kind of like in the, in one of the old senses of the word, like bonuses, <laughs> uh, from the Latin. Uh, but like, it's like this, this, uh, good, amazing thing, uh, that demonstrates grace. And, and so I, I think that the point is not so much that, I don't know, you get baptized and it's like, you become like, like, like a Jedi or something like that. Now you've got this power, right? Uh, and, and more that what he's getting at is that this promise is for every group of people, just like it says at the end of Matthew 28. Um, it's for every group of people. And yeah, like wherever they went, there were these miraculous signs that validated the message that said, yeah, this is my will. Uh, you know, Jesus saying, yeah, this was my command to send these guys to every nation and that means uh, I have the I have the I have the authority, right? Like, look, you can see this. So, James, that gets to your email question, um, where you get into this stuff about you know being ambassadors for the way here. I think that if one of us even today were to find ourselves going to some group of people that has never received the word of Christ, right? Like, not that. I mean, it's just kind of hard to imagine. Like there, there, there aren't there aren't many left. Um, I don't think it would be like beyond the pale, right, for the the announcement of the gospel to be accompanied with miraculous signs, right? I mean, even today, actually, these things aren't like unattested. Um, you know, not not too long ago, maybe it was like I feel like it was like a year or two ago, people were really talking about like just like the exodus of people from the Middle East finding their way into uh, Europe in a lot of cases. And you would hear just stories again and again of, of uh, people leaving Islam who were having dreams where they were, I mean, they, they said their words, right? But they had dreams where they saw Jesus and Jesus spoke to them and told them like where to go and like where, where there was a church that would, they would find the, to take care of them. And, and these are the sorts of things that were happening, right? Uh, occasioning their conversions, right? So, I, I don't think it's like, you know, these things like don't happen, but we have to understand like, what are they for, right? These aren't like to, to show that you have true faith and you have true superpowers. Uh, the, the, these gifts and these signs are meant to validate some kind of new move in the history of God's salvation, to, to validate and to say, not that you've got these powers, but hey, look, this message is my message, my stamp of approval, right? This is like Moses and Elijah showing up next to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they're like, yep, this guy, right? Like what the voice in um, the clouds say, listen to him, right? So th that's the function of these things. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that the in the United States, the gospel has landed, <laughs> the gospel has made it to our shores. And so I wouldn't necessarily expect then that there would be... Um, you know, these sorts of signs, because uh, I think that, well, I mean, if we're honest, I think these signs have already occurred uh, for this kind of nation or people group, um, and the message has already been authorized. And so now we're kind of in a situation where it's more like uh, the, the foolish rich man 
who calls out and says, well, hey, uh, send, send me so I can go warn my brothers. And then what's Father Abraham say? Yeah, they wouldn't believe even if they had someone come from the dead to tell them, right? Because there, there is a point where just even the miraculous isn't going to change anybody's mind. Um, so yeah, so yeah, good, good question, James. Uh, I think, I think we got to see it in the bigger context there, like what the purpose of those miracles are authenticating, right? Uh, okay. So let's take a look here then, uh, at the end of chapter two, the fellowship of the believers, people have talked about this, like, you know, is this like this experiment in communism and, oh, well, we didn't do this because it didn't work out very well. I think honestly, that's that I, I honestly think that's a terrible interpretation. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of really smart and like more uh, w wiser and more pious people than I who have held that interpretation. So nothing against them. But I, I think that's reading in uh, our kind of like Western capitalist American bias into that. It's not because this was first of all this isn't this isn't communism right in the sense of you know the soviet union or you know china or anything like that um some people have distinguished and said this is not uh, communism but you know communalism but no so wh why didn't this last well there's a very easy answer and that's because the jerusalem i mean i mean the jerusalem church as such stopped to ex it didn't exist um but like 40 years later Jerusalem was destroyed, right? I mean, you have like some very special and unique things going on. You have you got Paul in his his epistles telling people, you know, there's a there's a big calamity that's coming, and in view of that, I'd recommend that if you're single, you not get married, right? And if you're married, that you uh, stay married, right? And he would like say these things, and we and we read them, and we're like, what does this mean? Like, oh, is it better not to be married? But like what he's saying very specifically, I mean, just to kind of decode it, is like. Guys, uh, there's a famine right now. The temple is about to be destroyed. Craziness is about to go down. And, you know, Jesus himself said, you know, it, how terrible it'll be for nursing mothers, right? Not the time to be starting a family right now, guys. So in view of the, the disaster that was about to strike, um, you know, doing this made sense. And it also makes sense that we don't hear about this happening later because— well, there was no Jerusalem church after there was no Jerusalem. Anyways, uh, could you do this today? You sure could, right? Like if uh, the circumstances merited it, that like all the uh, Christians just had everything, absolutely everything in common? Yeah, you totally could. There's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, we do do this to a lesser extent, even when things are not so calamitous. We got on the phone here, Paul, with a question and comment. Good morning, Paul. It is good to hear your voice. How you doing? Good, Pastor AJ. How are you? Doing good. You know, it's a bittersweet day here, but uh, I can't complain. It's been it's been a very good run, and very excited about Christmas. Good, good. Hey, I wanted to call and thank you for uh, for being you know like our, our pastor. For those of us who listen to the Strong Word, or at least our Bible study pastor, every day for an hour. Uh, thank you for answering my, my comments, especially on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I, I admit that when you chuckle on air because of something I wrote and I have to explain it, it does make me feel a little good. Um, yeah. And uh, so so thank you for that. Thank you for helping me grow in my faith and knowledge in the Word. And uh, my question today is, uh, we've talked a lot about Old Testament stories, and if there was, there, if there's a story where you want to really, really hear the rest of it, 
So when yeah. you get to heaven, who's the guy you want to talk to to hear the rest of his story that's not filled out in Scripture? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Thank, thank you, Paul, for your kind words. Um, I appreciate um, everything that you've done to, to keep the, the Facebook uh, stream interesting with uh, putting the questions in the comments. And, and your questions and comments have been and great, just given me a lot to chew on, and I appreciate all your uh, historical knowledge. I, I think you're a great example of how um, you, know, you don't have to be ordained to contribute um, and to fill in a lot of the, the knowledge gaps uh, for pastors, because uh, Lord knows we have a lot of them. So uh, thank you, brother. Um, I hope that we uh, yeah, continue to, to work together in the future. Uh, so to answer your question about Old Testament characters, um, you know, I, I got to say, I, I feel like I constantly hear from people who seem very smart around me that, oh, here we go, another you know Bible study on Genesis 1, on Genesis 2, and all, all that origins stuff, you know, I'm sick of hearing of it. I am never sick of hearing. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess I, 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 you know, I get tired of the bad arguments because uh, there are a lot of bad ones, right? But like, I'm, I, I've my whole life just been fascinated by that stuff. So I got to go with Adam, you know, um, just you know, what on earth was that like? <laughs> um, you know, I feel like if you if you had Adam, you could kind of fill in a lot of the gaps, actually. But just yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, just in, just in general, though, I think just, you know, the patriarchs, right? Just like what was that very ancient pre-Mosaic walk of faith like? Um, you know, so, so yeah, no, that'll be, uh, and, and, you know, the old joke is that, you know, he shouldn't be easy to spot because he should be the only guy without a belly button. I don't know if that's true or not, but <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but good stuff. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, so... Getting back here into uh, the chapter in Acts chapter two, uh, yeah. So yeah, you could you could totally do this. And I think also, um, by the way, when when we give uh, today in church, when there's an offering, I think it is less that we're tithing, because um, literally, guys, tithing means give ten percent. That's actually what the word literally means. Tithe, like tithe tenth, right? It's like just change like the the stuff between the consonants, right? Otherwise, it's the same word. Um, yeah, so it, it's not tithing unless unless you're you know giving 10%. And if you are giving 10%, God bless you, because that's fantastic. Uh, but you, you got to take a look at the broader context. And uh, I had a feeling that you were going to say Shamgar, Paul. I'm sorry, I'm just reading a Facebook comment out loud. Um, you know, just, you, you know, you, you, you like those judges' stories. Uh, anyways, but but so you know it's a, it's a complicated story because you you have in the Old Testament a picture where they're giving this ten percent, but that ten percent like that's for not just you know the church as such, but it's for the government basically, right? Because the, the priests and the Levites that's effectively the the government of Israel, right? So it's kind of like more like a tax than like an offering. Um, and also, it's not even like all they give; they give other stuff too besides the things that they tithe on. Right, so it's actually it actually ends up being more than ten percent, but then you think of it too. Uh, you know, the, the the Levites receive all that stuff, and then they tithe on that, and then the priests get that. So the priests are only getting ten percent of ten percent, which is you know like one percent of the original, right? So like you just look at this, and it just it's way more complicated. It's it's a naive reading to say that like oh well we're just we're tithing. That's like what we do. I, I mean it's it's a good number, and it's a 
I mean, it's, uh, yeah, for everyone who's doing that, like, thank God for you. Um, but you don't need to be laden with guilt if you're not, you know, hitting 10%. What we're doing more is this in Acts chapter 2, that we're, we're giving, we're, we're pooling our resources in the church, and we're giving where there's need. That's what we're doing. And, and that kind of sense of community and love means that we give however much is needed. However much that is, it could be way more than 10 if, if that's what, what, if that's what's needed, right? I mean, the, the law of love says I'll give everything if that's what I need, uh, if, that, if that's how my brother needs it. Cheryl on the phone with a comment or question. Cheryl, good to hear from you again, sister. How are you? Hi, okay. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to take you back to the sacrament of holy baptism. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Titus 3, 5 to 8, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I was recently at a funeral for my mother-in-law, and the hymn that she had picked that said that she would really like, like to hear we had that hymn for her funeral. It was, I am Jesus' little lamb. Yeah. And it reminded me of uh, Galatians 4, 4 to 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who, who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Mm -hmm. And I think the gift of the Holy Spirit is just so precious, and especially in the times that we are in right now, and it's just a precious gift of God. And I, I just hope that everybody realizes what this gift is and what this means. We can't call God our Father when we pray our Father, except for the gift of the Spirit of His Son, which has yeah. been poured out generously upon us Amen. through a gift of His grace. It's just so amazing. Uh, thank, thank you so much, Cheryl, for for sharing that, um, and for yeah, for for sharing uh, just you know your story. Um, you know that 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 is uh, I'm I'm taking a note of that. You know that that your mother-in-law picked a, I am Jesus little lamb, you know, for her funeral. That's uh, that, that's, that's great. I mean, like it's, it's, I think it's a testimony uh, to kind of what you're saying, you know, that our faith is a baptismal one and that it's uh it's simple in, in the end. Uh, and that there is a, a childlike quality that is uh, in some ways one of its best qualities, um, even, even at the end. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And, and yeah. And, and so um, to, to your points there and some of the uh, scriptures that you were sharing, uh, it, it's true that um, you know, yeah. There, there's, there's not going to be this uh, gift, or uh, you know, this uh, charismatic gift or outpouring of the Holy Spirit, like at every single baptism, right? It's not like uh, every infant starts speaking in tongues or anything like this. Uh, but right, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit in, in the big picture, like you're saying, is for the whole church. 
Um, the Holy Spirit is also in the scriptures referred to as the Spirit of Jesus. And, and I think that's because the idea, and we talked about this um, maybe a little bit last time, is that really the, the Spirit rests on Jesus and remains there. Right. This is this is this is the only guy who could do that. You think about um, like King David. We talked about this. How like the Spirit like it's poured out on him, or like or Saul even the Spirit gets poured out on him on different moments, right? And even even the believers here too, um, the Spirit gets poured out on them in different moments, right? Um, like like again and again and again, um, and, and it's kind of like these miraculous moments when that happens. The only person who the Spirit gets poured out on and it just stays there is Jesus. So yeah, that, that that's why it's so precious then, because like you're saying, if you're if you're in, in baptism, you receive Jesus. Well, if you receive Jesus, well, who's on Jesus? The Spirit, right? So so you have Him, even if you don't see all the amazing signs. Um, and in fact, the, the Spirit's working, you know, even before your baptism. You know, as, as the Spirit is the one who leads and calls and guides and draws. I mean, like the Spirit's active in all this stuff. Yeah, so we, we certainly don't own the Spirit. Um, if anyone, if any human being can say that, it's only Christ. Uh, but we all are blessed richly um, in so many ways together. When we talk about the Spirit, it's, it's a together thing. So, yeah, thank you, Cheryl. Um, looking here at the lame beggar who's healed. Um, yeah, so just just a cool story. But take a look at here at some of uh, James's questions here. Um, I, I think that you, you got to say, right, it's... It's not serendipity here. Um, it's very fascinating, right, how specific Luke is as he narrates this, right? Because, you know, this is just the sequel. This is just Luke chapter two, like uh, Luke volume two. Um, it says there, you know, Peter and John are going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, right? Um, so like this is a very specific time um, at this very specific gate, right? Because there's various different gates. Like there's one that's called like the, the, the sheep gate, which is significant in John. Or there's one that's like the fish gate, right? There's like different, all these gates. And so he's at the beautiful gate. So this one particular one. Um, and, and then, right, like just, just to even be a little bit more specific, you know, he doesn't get named this guy, right? Uh, but like the, the story is uh, is uh, is told in this way that he's holding on to them. It says, isn't this great? Like, so Peter lifts them up and it says here um, in verse 10, right? Uh, they recognize him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. Um, and then in verse 11, while he hung to Peter and John, clung to Peter and John, right? And so I, I think if, uh, see, if, you're, if, you're, if you live in the suburbs, you might not be able to relate to this, but if you have spent any time in the cities, um, you know, you, you, you might have a, a walking route and there's like, it, it happens usually or often that there is like a corner and at that corner, like that's where this one guy, uh, you know, begs, and it's like it's like his corner, and like you see this person if it, if this if this corner is like on your walk, you see this person like every day, right? I remember like when I when I was um, when I was in college, uh, it was at the corner uh, where it, it was like it was it was kind of this uh, point where it was kind of in the middle of this area where there was a bunch of the uh, the restaurants and the shops. And then like the rest of campus and right there at the corner, there was the flower lady and everyone, like everyone knew who the flower lady was on campus. Like every single undergrad, like at like my university knew who the flower lady was and like could identify her if you saw her. 
because you you saw her literally every day that you that you walked and you like went to class. So I mean, this is I, I think if you kind of stop and appreciate that, everyone recognized this dude. It was it was the guy who was like always begging at the beautiful gate at at prayer hour. Like no one would have had any doubts about who this was. So it's remarkable about how Luke is putting this. He he couldn't have told this story if it didn't happen because everyone would have shot it down. They'd be like, no, we saw this guy. That wasn't him. Or, uh, you know, they'd say like, no, he's still, he's still crippled. Like, so um, having all those specific details, right. Um, it just shows that, that God very deliberately was working here, right. To, to make this happen. So yeah, it's very providential, James, um, that, that it happened this way. So, uh, so yeah, so I think again that kind of points to the thing about the the miracle. Then it's not like Peter, you know, got lucky and God like was like, okay, Peter, this time I'll go ahead and give you another miracle. Uh, no, I mean this was this was very deliberate, and you gotta think that Peter was being guided and prodded to, to Cheryl's point by the Holy Spirit um, that this was more than just a, a man begging. That there was this, this something providential about it. Um. So, so then taking a look here um, at the rest of the chapter, um, looking at verse uh, verse 13, uh, notice here, I, I really like this, right? Um, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, right? Again, that, that threefold quality to God's name, um, even you know from, from before the Trinitarian revelations uh, and uh, uh, I guess the guidance of the Spirit of us being able to formulate, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Uh, that, that's, that's pretty cool. And it's cool that Peter is still talking this way, right? Like, it's not like we have to like jettison all of the old Testament language just because now we know the Nicene Creed. Like, this is a way that like Christians can talk to still. It's okay. You can refer to, you know, God is like the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Um, I would also refer to him though, as like the God of Jesus at some point and God and father of our Lord, uh, and then uh, the other bit here, yeah, in verse 15 then, and then we I need to kind of turn my attention here, uh, this uh, author of life thing, it's really cool. Um, the, the word that you have there uh, in Greek, archegos, right? Like you hear it, it kind of sounds like architect, right? Um, but it, it, it kind of just means like the first one, Um so it's kind of interesting to to call it the author of life. See, to me, that, that just sounds so much like a book, right? So I think of like the book of life, like the person who writes the book of life or something like that. And that's, I don't think really what it's getting at. Uh, it, most In most cases, it's like the first in a series, right? So uh, I, I think the idea is sort of more like, I don't know, exhibit A of life, right? Uh, I mean, what, what, is, what it's getting at, and it says in the next uh, verse, or the next half of the verse, whom God raised from the dead, it, it, this is what John refers to as the first fruits from the dead, right? By, by calling him the author of life, it's like he's like the first entry in the book of life, right? Like he's the, he's, and he's the title of the book of life, um, which is why everyone else in the book of life has life. He's the first one. Seeing Jesus as the first one to be raised from the dead in whom everyone else and all who are in his name who are baptized are raised like him, right? This, this is central to the Easter proclamation. Um, just a couple of minutes left here. Um, 
I I gotta say it's it's been a it's been a fantastic thing uh, being able to represent the LCMS Office of National Mission. It's been a privilege to do so. Um, you know, it was uh, I I I was really glad that I was able to to see this through and, and to uh, take over for Pastor Whedon and and uh, to be able to close out the uh, the National Mission production of Thy Strong Word like this and had this kind of big finale at the end. You know, God's blessings on on the you know what what comes next. But you know, it's it's been a blessing to do what what we have been doing. I think that it's been clear to me doing this that uh, one chapter a day on the one hand is like way too much to try to talk about. On the other hand, we got to be reading way more than just one chapter a day. Luther said, you know, whatever you love and trust and fear the most is your God. Whatever stories you think about and tell and listen to the most, that set of stories is your Bible. Right, so it, it's time for us as Christians to reclaim the Bible as our actual Bible. These stories aren't just kids' kids stories; they're something that should be challenging us. And if we're honest about it, they challenge us, and we have the Holy Spirit reshape us um, in the process. I really thank our guests, the older pastors especially, that I just gained so much wisdom from. I really do hope to emulate them and be more like them. And thank you to all the listeners. Thank you guys. God bless you. I'll keep some musings and ponderings and things going on uh, facebook.com slash Spinoza. Until then, if you join us, God's peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.